It's episode 83 of the Redleaf Retrocast. Your host, JD, joined by Colin and Joey. How are you guys doing today? Hello. All right. Uh, could be better. Could be better? Uh, what do you mean? It's the end of the year. It's our final podcast of 2020. Well, as of Friday, a guy I was working with the day before fell sick with fever and chills. So he needs to get tested for COVID-19. Excellent. And since <laughs> and since I was working with him directly, I was told to stay home and self-isolate till he gets his results. Mm-hmm. And since I'm living with my folks right now, and they tend to get really paranoid about the virus, I've been stuck in my room since Friday, and I'm slowly going insane from cabin fever. Pray well, for me, guys. that's it's what video games are for, Colin. <laughs> uh, they can only do so much. I'm living the life of a Japanese hikikomori, and let me tell you, it's overrated. It's overrated. No, you've been training your whole life for this moment. That <laughs> <laughs> um, hasn't been all... It's not all gloom and frustration on my end. I was Before that, I was corresponding with my parents' financial advisor on some possible funds I can start investing in, so I'll probably be making some moves on that front in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the cast, it is 83. Uh, we are... The title of this is Cult Classic RPGs. So, these are games that... Uh, didn't sell well uh, for one reason or another, or and or they were giving uh, very good reviews, and then they became very popular later in uh, a lifespan or another. So we got four RPGs we're talking about today. This is very uh, this is a very exciting podcast. This is something we've been kind of thinking about which games we would do for this one uh, for quite some time. And this was a really fun uh, podcast playing these games for. That's for sure. Yeah. Feel the same way, Joey? Uh, they were interesting. Just interesting. Okay. Well, look forward Some of to them more. are good. <laughs> Some of them. Look forward to more of Joey's quick and to-the-point thoughts later in this podcast episode. <laughs> well, I mean... Let's see, three of them were um, turn-based, and I don't like turn-based. Very popular of the time, yes. So, although yeah. one of the turn-based was my one of my the favorite game of the podcast, so there's that. Oh, okay then. Yeah, we had our we had our buddy Kay. He picked one. We each picked one game. We're not doing our whole uh, since this was kind of a, I guess, collaborative uh, episode theme. Uh, we kind of went off the script, our usual script, and just kind of... I think we did something similar to this last time with RPGs. Remember, Colin? I believe so. Yeah. <clears throat> I know we were talking about just playing cult classics for a while, but I guess we're doing it sooner than we thought. Yeah, it's... I, I, I feel that when... A lot of people make, you know, top lists or, you know, best RPGs or or whatnot. These various games do end up making the list uh, one way or another, uh, whether said person making list uh, highly rates one of them uh, over and you get the idea. And th these always seem to uh, come up or at least a series, if you will, always comes up and they're all they're They're usually around the same 
I guess, uh, three to four years. It's always like the, uh, the, the tail end of the early 90s, uh, to about, what, 98, 99? Yeah? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. And one common theme is, at the end of a console's lifespan, very popular. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because the next gen has come out, the old gen uh, is phasing out, not a lot of people are buying for that console anymore, so then the game is just kind of lost to time, essentially, and then it just, uh, it comes back. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga, that's that's definitely one of them. Yeah. That comes to mind, yeah. And the game, Legend uh, of Dragoon? Legend of Dragoon, that's another great example. That is, uh, that is a Kevin specialty, that game, right there, so... If, he was Absolutely. on this podcast. You guarantee you would have picked that game, for sure. Yeah. So that spoiler, that is one of them. But in other news, did not procure another uh, another failed attempt at procuring a PS5. Uh, GameStop tried to do a whole send people an email in a rush. That is my mom trying to call me. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. Does she know it's podcast time? It is podcast time. She needs to learn. I will text her. There we go. So, uh, yeah, so I got an, I got an email. I was kind of hungover yesterday. We'll get to the reason why in a second here. And I was like, you know what? I got to get, like, a burger or something anyways. Uh, she sent me a voicemail. I don't know who does that in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, all right, I'll go to GameStop, see if I can get the PS5. It only takes 17 minutes to get there. I know because it's like right next to work. And that's how long it takes me to get to work every morning with, without traffic. So I get there and they're like, yeah, we're already sold out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the, the, the guy at the counter, he's like, yeah, I tried to at least save one of them because I know one of, the, one of these dudes has already bought like three of them prior. So you know he's scalping them at this point. And uh, the manager at GameStop says, nope, store policy, it's first come, first serve, which sucks the way that works. But, um, yep, another failed attempt. I think that's uh, attempt 10. I'm, like, keeping track. I didn't get any on Black Friday. I've missed every single solitary uh, online uh, attempt. So, no PS5 yet. There's the sad story there. Doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon either. Yeah, I can wait. See, there's a game that came out, Colin, that I really want to play specifically on the PlayStation 5. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Cyber Glitch Punk. Yeah, it's baby. Me. <laughs> that game is so glitchy. <laughs> Joey with his incredibly deep voice. How glitchy is it, Joey? I know you've been playing it on your on your uh, souped-up PC. Yeah, I haven't experienced any game-breaking bugs outside of the thing one-time crash, but um, that happened like the first two hours I played. I think around 15 hours right now. Wow, um, you're really far into it already. Well, I mean, time-wise. Yeah, time-wise, but yeah, it's it's really really buggy. The engine is just buggy as hell. What are some of these bugs you've encountered in uh, one cyberpunk? Well, the driving's terrible. Oh, the driving's atrocious. I absolutely agree. I feel like I'm playing. Uh, I compared it to Sega Rally on the Dreamcast. <laughs> ah, 
I'm slowly getting better with how bad it is. <laughs> it is Colin, uh, I am not joking when I say the driving is like that. It feels just so janky and loose. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, you might as well be a rally car driving in the streets of uh, yeah. uh, Night City. <laughs> and the poli- because if you do like anything kind of wrong on the streets, the police will fuck your shit up. So they don't, oh, they don't mess around, man. <laughs> Which I'll get to the police later. That's a whole different thing because okay. that's that's broken in its own thing. Right, but so, the, you can't brake and turn. Like if you hold down the brake and turn, you do like a one eighty turn it without fail. So you either have to tap it and kind of go, or you have to hit reverse to slow yourself for a nice brakey. So I don't think there's a regular brake. It's like handbrake or reverse. Oh, I use. I mean, like I said, that's kind of what the Sega Rally game is. It's uh like pressure sensitive triggers, right? And you and there is you don't use the handbrake unless unless you want to completely turn around. So you have to use the reverse to kind of skid your tires, and that's how that's how you uh well Tokyo drift, Night City drift. If you yeah. Will. Huh. Um, and then the, sometimes uh, I'll, the I'll get to, I'll get to the camera because that was my most frustrating thing. So you have to press right on the D pad to change between first person and third person or closer person view of the car but it always takes you have to start driving and then you can press the d-pad and then it will go out into third person mode and then when you want to exit the car it shifts back into first person it's very jarring it's aggravating it's irritating uh the 17 and a half gigabyte patch after on the first okay so there was a zero day patch and a one day patch the 17 and a half gig patch kind of fix that where now you don't have to start driving now you can just click it but you have to click it every time oh i don't have to do that on pc it knows that i want third person for car so i don't have to worry about it because i can't drive while first person like that's impossible that is absolutely impossible in this game and sometimes the cars doesn't have weight like i had I got bumped by another car and I went flying and then landed on the <laughs> sidewalk on top of people. And then of course the police show up and kill me. So, <clears throat> um, what else is wrong there? The AI driving is terrible. Like the lights really don't matter. Sometimes they sit at a green and then they drive during a red and they get stuck in the middle of the intersection. They just sit there and it holds up traffic. I'm like, what is going on? Oh, good old PS2, uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 <laughs> driving AI there. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't understand. Like, they built a new engine for this game, I think. And oh, it just absolutely. doesn't seem like it's done. And it feels like it's 10 years in the past. Like, many games have way better AI for driving and for the. the the random ass people on the streets, but this game just seems like they're so behind in the times with that. I don't agree with the assessment of the engine. If you remember Witcher 3, generally regarded as a utterly fantastic game, that engine uh, they made for that game had a lot of bugs. It was incredibly glitchy, and over time they refined it to what it is now. Uh, I... I th- I believe that CD Projekt Red will refine this game. They're not going to pull a uh, Ubisoft situation where the game is a broken mess and then uh, it's a 50-50 shot at this point whether they fix it or not or just punt the game. You know what I mean? Well, I don't think they're going to punt the game. No. They'll fix things up, but I-, I don't know if I'll be playing by the time things get fixed. 
Well, the game's already made its money back, as far as I, uh, as far as I, I remember reading that just in pre-order sales, that yeah, they already made them, like, their money back <clears throat> on the game, and it went prof- gold profit. or platinum with pre-order or something like that. Yeah. So they have all the incentive in the world to sell more copies by just refining this engine and game. Yeah. Um, other things I found that are weird is sometimes the mobs can see through the wall and shoot through walls. <laughs> so taking cover doesn't mean shit. Or when you're trying to sneak around, if their cone of vision goes through the wall, they can sometimes see you. Uh, sometimes when you run and hide and you look on the minimap, the people you're fighting will just spin in circles. And it just looks ridiculous. You just see the red cone just spinning around and round and round. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on sometimes. I fought someone that was inside of a wall because they got stuck there. That's awesome. So he was shooting me. I didn't know where he was. I'm like, what the hell? And then bullets came out of the wall. I'm like, oh, there he is. Well. I don't uh, think... The only major... Everything glitch i've come across in the game so far i'm playing on a kind of the second iteration base model ps4 which is apparently the worst thing you could play it on currently <laughs> well i think maybe the xbox one s is the worst thing you play oh, okay. it on all right uh the uh the only thing i've come across was is a couple mission glitches where upon completing a mission the game will think i'm still in that mission and it won't uh trigger the next one to be activated. And I don't know that's the case unless I reload, or I'm just... A lot of us in the Discord, Red Leaf Retrocast Discord, we're all playing Cyberpunk, so I'm like asking asking guys, hey, was this the end of the mission? Like, yeah, alright, I gotta reload. Uh, then it spawns me back where I was, and hey, look at that, magically fixed. So Yeah, I don't, I don't have that issue. I haven't run into that yet. That's... That's what I'm having. I, I haven't really experienced much for just game-breaking things, like you said, Joey. Nothing nothing yeah, along mine, those lines. Some of them are funny, because sometimes when I walk, random bottles will explode. Ones <laughs> I don't even touch, and I think it's hilarious. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> you just hear, Psh, I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and just randomly, there's like random bursts of energy that just blow things up. Uh, during the first mission, Jackie walked through some lockers okay went through the side of the locker and walked out and all the doors blasted open and everything inside just went across the room i thought it was hilarious so i got a lot of bugs like that that i think are just absolutely funny but it doesn't break the immersion of the game when you're just walking and bottles just randomly burst that sounds great i want (laughs) to yeah i try okay so i do have an announcement to make at the end of the podcast uh that is official so keep that in mind people i know that's kind of coming out of nowhere but hey um so i got trashed on friday night my whole idea was to watch wrestling uh put that on the side and play a lot of cyberpunk so i got i got christmas liquor i am ready for the rest of the year i'm ready for new year's i just gotta get some wine for my mom who's coming to visit i know covid but hey you know it's either I spend the holiday... I, I, I told myself, if I'm able to, I'm never spending another holiday alone. <laughs> it's, like, the most depressing thing in the world. It's not worth the mental health <laughs> of it all. So, I got brandy. I got cognac. I got scotch. I got 
uh, uh, I didn't get rum. Uh, I got uh, 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 bourbon. So I'm like, I'm making old fashions. I'm making sidecars. And it just, uh, I was like, I'm going to make all these drinks from like the 1920s. Joey, you and I, we like a good sidecar, right? Yeah, I like a good sidecar. Colin, you like a good sidecar? Do you know what a sidecar is? Never heard of it. Oh, okay. For those that don't know, a sidecar is essentially a little bit of lemon juice. You get, you get your cognac or brandy. You uh, put it put it all on a shaker. Maybe add a little uh, add a little orange splice to it all. Um, what am I forgetting, Joey? Uh, forgetting something. Anyways, uh, no. Maybe I don't know. Ah, so you pour it in a uh, martini glass. Uh, uh, preferably martini. Um, I'll just throw. I I like throwing it in a little uh, whiskey glass. It's just how I like drinking it. And then the little bit left over, make that little shot. There's your side car. Get it? Ha ha. So, drinking that all night. And Joey, you remember I texted you. I'm like, these are delicious, but I got to switch because this is getting yeah. dangerous. Because, <laughs> Colin, do you know anything about drinking delicious things? And they just cre- they just snap up on you. You're just, you go from zero to 100 in an instant if you're not careful. Have you ever been there with delicious drinks that taste like well, heaven. What is that? No, Colin. Colin's distracted by somebody in the room. <laughs> so, anyways, I have a couple of these, and then I switch to uh, switch to my old fashions, and I have a Playboy uh, uh, drink book from like the fifties, and in this, it has an old fashioned, but instead of muddling an orange, Joey. Uh, it mm-hmm. actually has this like orange gin spritzer triple sec. That's what I put into the sidecar. So it has orange, orange, like flavored gin essentially, and you just and you just do a little splash. And what it does is it 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 creates the same orange flavor of the old fashioned, but it has a little carbonated kick to it because it's a spritzer, right? It kicks the shit out of you it's really good don't get me wrong but i had two of those so i've had four drinks i was fucking done at that point i was i was crashing hard i was trying so cut to cyberpunk i'm playing this it hits me in the middle of the brain dive at the beginning of the game where you're like hacking computers you're rewinding you're trying to investigate shit i didn't know what was happening i could hardly read what was going on i couldn't like my my drunk brain couldn't comprehend (laughs) what i was going through i'm like oh god but i rewound but i didn't and then i fast forward i gotta like go through all these specific sections and identify i'm like oh, i can't i can't take this detective game right now <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what was happening i was like i just got to turn it off i'm gonna watch wrestling and then uh in the middle of the chat i passed out and slept on my couch <laughs> so i was dead to the world friday night it was uh yeah i woke up 7 a.m all the lights are still on i'm on my couch i'm like turned over my cat's looking at me on his little tower he's like what the fuck are you sleeping out here for i was like dude whoo so yeah, that was my Friday night cyberpunk experience. I haven't played the game since. I gotta play. Uh, I gotta at least play some more for the modern game cast. We're having yeah, our yeah. We're having our final uh, cast of the year. Um, and then doing game of the year. Uh, 
Yeah, because you have to deal with the cops, because that's also very broken. Yeah, so tell me about the cops, Joey. So, I've never gotten two stars. I've gotten one star, I've gotten three stars. Now, one star, sometimes a drone flies out of nowhere and it just pinpoints on you and you can't get away from it. Uh, sometimes you can just walk around the corner and you can get away with the cops, no problem. Mm-hmm. So that's hit or miss. But when you get three stars, the cops come out of nowhere. Literally nowhere. They'll walk out from a wall and start shooting you from behind. It doesn't make sense. They don't like come up in cars like Grand Theft Auto or helicopters. They literally just surround you coming out of the walls. Oh, They're like it's just a it's just a fuck you spawn basically. Pretty much, yeah. So you have to just once you see three stars, you have to run, and sometimes it takes forever to get rid of it. It just it's ridiculous. I don't understand how they thought this was a good idea. Well, sounds sounds like the original Assassin's Creed. Um, those guys, those guys were super alert all the time when I played it. That was my experience. I mean, I, I remember playing the original Assassin's Creed and outside of like accidentally hitting buttons and jumping off <laughs> towers, uh, <laughs> the AI was just as soon. Yeah, they, yeah, they were overly sensitive to how they saw you, but they were also overly sensitive and forgetting about you because you could just go around a corner, hide in a crater, whatever it was, and they would not find you again. Yes, and Cyberpunk, sometimes they don't forget about you. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah, that was my experience. And there's also robot cops that just destroy you. Oh, I have experienced the robot cops, yeah. So, yes, sir. Uh, and the only other thing I have an issue sometimes is like they give you dialogue choices, but there's only one choice. So what's the point of giving me the dialogue choice if that's all I can do? Yeah, it, it's not like the uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey type dialogue tree, or uh, Valhalla for that matter, where um, it creates different dialogue and can move about the story the same way. It all ends up kind of in the same place. Have you noticed, uh, what, what did you, what uh, character have you started out as, Joey? I did Corpo. Corpo, that seems to be the popular choice. So I thought it was the best story. Being X corporation, and then you're pretty much, from what I was thinking, you're pretty much going to be fighting corporations. So I thought that was made for the best story. Are the three stories differentiated from each Only other? Only in the beginning. Only that prologue, and then it gives you different choices for who you're dealing with. So now, since if I'm talking to people about corpse, I get a little corp thing that says, so I have inside knowledge. Be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's in their playbook. This is what they're going to do. But a- street kids can talk to people on the street better. And I don't know what the uh, nomads, what their thing was. Hmm. I uh, I started as nomad just because I thought a little Mad Max to it all would be interesting. Did you did you start off outside the city doing like a uh, like a drug no. a drug deal? No, that's yours. I started in a corporation mission that get goes bad. Yeah. So I I'm like I start outside the city in like the desert. And I'm, like, doing Sega Rally out, out there. I'm, like, hacking into a tower. And it turns out I'm, like, transporting a an a, a extinct I- iguana that's actually alive. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And then I'm, bri- I'm bribing border control for a bunch of shit. And they double-cross me. Kind of, I, I thought that was really fun. It's cool. It's, um... The, the corporation one, you start out, there's... Of course, there's different factions inside corporations. Mm-hmm. And your boss wants you to get dirt or use this chip on this other person in the company that's moving up faster than him that he hates. Well, she finds it out. She sends goons to pretty much fuck you up. So they take everything from you. You had, you started with like all this money in your account and then they just wipe you 
and you're just left with nothing. So, okay. But yeah, outside of that, it's just a lot of you get different uh, dialogue stuff that you can bring up. That's where some different things are. And I found some side missions, which is why I've been playing them a lot. Your discussions actually matter. There are some where you can play one way or the other and you get more rewards or not. Like there's one I had to say one of the fixer's friends and she wanted him to come out on his own volition and talk. Well, there's ways where he kills himself. There's a way where you knock him out and take him and she's not happy with either of those. So only if you use the right dialogue and you convince him to leave, do you get like the full reward and everything. So side missions have dialogue that actually matter so far the main missions it doesn't really seem it matters too much at least i haven't noticed it yet but i'm not that far maybe there isn't as much uh i guess it could be it could be that we're just still yeah in the beginning that they want to railroad you to get to it but who knows well we'll be going into a little bit more detail uh, a little bit different perspective on the modern cast naturally uh in other news i had well i mean joey and i played uh couple hours of Phasmophobia, which was a lot of fun. Joey, you are a wizard at that game. You were so fast. <laughs> hey, gotta beat the ghosts. Well, I was just trying to get you up in levels so we can do some of the bigger levels. Like, I wanted to rush through the smaller ones, get you some levels up so we can right. do the the uh, high school or the asylum. Because I haven't really done too many of those. Yeah, I uh, I had originally played just with PC controls, but I, I you know me, I vastly prefer controller. Well, the uh, <laughs> the game tells me what buttons are for the controller and they don't match <laughs> what they were I'm like you stupid game <laughs> so that was very <laughs> aggravating uh when i first popped it in we played uh, a little bit fall of flat. yeah we played a little bit of humans fall flat which was goofy fun yeah we started on a level way too advanced for us but then <laughs> we got a hang of it and it was fun <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun game so so what we were doing and then I'm really trying to figure out what are what are some of these like last little bit of games I'm going to beat to get to 50 games completed in 2020. And I think I'm just going to have to like choose some old NES Genesis titles just so I can hit that number that I wanted. I know it's a, it's a little bit weird to want to do that, but uh I'm just kind of I don't think I'm going to complete Bravely Default. I got to the halfway point. I think I've pretty much satisfied with where I'm at in that game. Don't think I'm going to complete Panzer Dragon Saga. Again, I'm pretty satisfied how far I've played. Uh, I did, Colin, you'll like this. I did reinstall and start playing again Death Stranding. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Picked up right as uh, right at Chapter 3 with Fragile. I had to watch a couple Let's Plays to kind of catch myself back up on the story a little bit. Didn't really forget much. Um, yeah, it's fucking weird but i find it weirdly relaxing i really do it's kind of uh, got yeah. that yeah it's got that no man's sky feel with me where it's just the gameplay is super simplistic there's not much to it and then i find the story interesting uh not in the case of no man's sky that kind of make your own story with that but uh you get the idea <laughs> what i'm going for so i think i'm gonna do spe- something special with uh a few of these other games um I think there's a game on here I want to definitely complete and do for that announcement I have at the end of the podcast. So, Colin, your turn to to speak, I suppose, since you've been quiet this whole time. Yeah, in the background, my parents were had put on the attic fan and it was coming through the audio, so I had to text and ask them to turn it off. <laughs> 
But yeah, I've, I haven't really been playing that many non-podcast games because, well, these are freaking RPGs. and we, They need a lot of time put into them. Yeah, yeah. But. Well, I mean, it's a good thing we had, what, like two, three months head start on these, kind of? So yeah, I was able yeah. to chip, chip away quite a bit of these games. Well, just for what I've been playing aside from podcast games, it's just more Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. How are you liking boo. that so far? Besides, well, no of boo. course, Boo. <laughs> boo, oh, Jinx. It was, a delayed, it was a delayed Boo. I was just trying to throw you off. <laughs> well, it worked. Anyway, there's really not much more I can say about it that I haven't said last cast. I mean, it's still fun. It's still creative. And I still I still enjoy the soundtrack that Yoko Shimomura composed. So it's all... It's all good there, but of course I haven't been able to play any of it since being locked in my room. But I I did take my Switch in into my room, and I briefly tried out Hatsune Miku Project Diva last night. <laughs> Fun game. Simple. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one's going to take a little bit of getting used to with the, the mechanics it uses, but I'm enjoying it. It's a lot, a lot of stuff in there, lots of songs, lots of customization. It's mostly cosmetic stuff, but it's all stuff you can unlock in game. Imagine that. How about that? Don't have to pay any real world money. What a concept. <laughs> I know, right? More games should do, more game companies should be doing that nowadays. Anyway. At the same time, I've also been watching the Game Grumps playthrough of Danganronpa. <laughs> it's funny you mention that, because when they started playing that, I actually also picked up Danganronpa for my kind of before-bed game, since I kind of stopped playing Bravely Default. Oh, yeah? I didn't more or less start over, but I realized how far I had gotten with, like, half the cast dead at the point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're on the same page there, Colin. <laughs> yeah this this playthrough is fucking hilarious <laughs> it's like just so many of the jokes and voices they come up with it's like <laughs> aaron voicing the character sayaka maizono with a like a female mario with the over-the-top italian accent because <laughs> is uh because her name her last name resembles paisano i guess but, <laughs> right not since their playthrough of Trauma Center have I laughed this much at them, so I definitely want to watch more. Of course, it helps that I previously played both games already, so it's fun to just see what they think of it as they go along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm making I'm making a list for uh, 2021 of of uh, Danganronpa is one of it, Death Stranding is another um, of what I want to do for uh, the announcement at the end of the cast. I'm going to tease that the whole time. <laughs> well now i'm yeah. interested in the announcement at the joey, end of the cast joey you already know what the announcement is i feel yeah but i'm still interested in the announcement <laughs> at the end of the cast <laughs> but yeah I, on the side i've also been doing playing a little bit of the angry video game nerd video game that came out for switch any good it's fun it's a lot like uh it's a lot like Mega Man, except you can shoot in eight directions, and there's <laughs> just so much, so much referential humor to the the AVGN show. Mm -hmm. Like 
you're going through like this cyberpunk level and then it cyberpunk ends with you say <laughs> <laughs> it ends with the uh that green face lady who always says, where did you learn how to fly? Yes. <laughs> yes, the yes. Final boss. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Every so often the nerd will make, will make comments like whoever designed this level is a fucking asshole. <laughs> it's just so much fun to play. Yeah. That's pretty much all I've been playing aside from cast games. All righty. Well, I don't think we have uh, much more to say, do we? Yes? No? I don't think so. Okay. No. Well, I got to drop to play and we can get to our cult classic RPGs. So here we go. Chrono Cross. Sweet. That's what we heard. Make my little timestamp note. Awesome. All right. Cult classic RPGs. Each of us uh, picked a single game for this themed episode. Kay picked one, Colin picked one, Joey picked one, I picked one. And I guess, uh, since I had the last pick, I will go over... Uh, I'll, go, I'll go over the intro for Kay's. So just want, want to re reiterate one more time. What constitutes a cult classic RPG is something that got good reviews, didn't sell well, uh, became popular well after its lifespan on the console, maybe it came out late on a console, and um, just didn't garner a lot of attention at the time. You get the idea. So these are successful RPGs, but not at the time it came out. I think that's the... Is that a fair assessment of how we came up with these? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So, the first game we're talking about is Kay's pick, and he loves this series. It is the Shin Megami Tensai series. Uh, it is a thousand percent a cult classic series that didn't come to the West originally uh, uh, and was certainly not popular, but as time has gone on, the series in itself, especially with anime fans, has become extremely popular. Uh, more, more or less, the Persona series is what popularized it, and then that caused a lot of people to go back and play a lot of the Shin Megami Tensai games. The one here is Devil Summoner Soul Hackers, which originally came out on the Sega Saturn and PlayStation, but only in Japan, and then it was ported later to the United States on the 3DS. And... Which, that's the version I played, because... Yes. I didn't find no English patches. Yes, I also played the 3DS version, and I didn't get a hard copy of it because it goes for about $70 today. Wow. Even the 3DS version? Yes. The really? 3DS version goes for about $70. And I saw it for like 22 on my eShop. You can buy it on the eShop? Yeah. Oh, well then there's 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 a good option for you, so... Um, might have to do that. I, I threw it on the on my 3DS uh, emulator on my Ouya. Played it no problem. Worked just fine. That's how I do it. Yes, I always bring up the Ouya, but it is an emulation box <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this uh, it was uh, developed by Atlas. Published by Atlas. A very popular um, developer and publisher of games very much in this uh, 
this realm. Takes place in a fictional, fictional, fictional Amami city, technologically advanced uh, Japanese metropolis. Main protagonist is a member of a hacker group called the Spookies. Love that name. Wow, so intimidating. Which I think it's hilarious because the main guy is Spooky and he named his group Spookies, but not like, hey, this is Spooky's group. It's like Ploro Spookies. Right. It's not Y apostrophe S, it's I E S. (laughs) So Spooky has a bunch of Spookies that aren't Spooky. (laughs) So the whole idea of this game is to gain access to a closed beta for Paradigm X. Let's call it uh, Sword Art Online (laughs) for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Einkrad. Einkrad, yeah. Yeah, it's it's an online game designed to connect citizens to this fictional city. Uh, And this is where the protagonist and the Spookies encounter a supernatural force, an entity within it uh, that's uh, taking souls of people, I guess, in the game. And this, uh, this demon that's in the city possesses the body of his childhood friend because where would an anime game be without a childhood friend close to the main character friend's name is Hitomi Tono and you kind of uh, go from there uh, collecting various uh, I guess like demon souls uh, of kind uh, and uh, you can call them personas I guess and yeah you can there's various ways of recruiting them defeating them having weird ass weird as fuck dialogue with these things yeah um, i like i like that i like that he actually talks to them like it's not just straight hey there's a demon kill it you're like hey what's up dude what's up guy <laughs> yeah there's one that only talks in just jumbled letters and you just have to guess <laughs> what it is uh the battle system is very first person. It's very much like an old fantasy star game from the uh, Master System in Genesis. Um, first person like, uh, well, there's another game we played on the podcast that has first person uh, turn-based combat. And one thing that is very much hit and miss with me, mostly miss, and that's the first two Persona games do this, and that's First person travel in the uh, kind of the in, in Paradigm X. You're in first person view going through this fake city, and while you're out of the Paradigm X, you're going on this like top down map th- perspective where you're going, and then dialogue trees will come up and whatnot. So, a first per- tra- uh, traversing old environments like this in first person. You have to be a damn fucking good game, or at least very much interesting for me to continue playing this way, because my experience playing the first two Persona games with this, and even to an extent, the very first Fantasy Star with a combat system where it's first person, you either get lost very easily because everything looks the same, because all the hallways look the same, and you just you just have no idea where you are, uh in conjunction to the map and the combat just doesn't feel like you're truly in combat because all you do is see the uh like character flashes uh in the battle system colin what did you think of this game well i i didn't have enough room on my 3ds uh sd card to actually download it so i i mostly watched youtube videos Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, 
I immediately thought of like the first couple of Persona games when seeing like the first person travel system. And another thing I immediately thought of was like, you know, those those PC guns that they have. Yes, the uh, gun PC, the very fabled gun. (laughs) Yeah, uh, (laughs) yeah, immediately reminded me of kind of Persona 3 and. No, it reminded me of Psychopaths because they're shaped oh, exactly yeah, yeah. like the Dominators. Yeah, that's that's a very it's a very good comparison. I was thinking of Persona Three because they use the guns to uh, like activate their persona, or at least the main character does. And yeah, I, I maybe, got that's, maybe this is where they got that idea from. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Or the I'm thinking the Psychopaths creators got the idea for their gun design from this. And, uh, yeah, I, I actually didn't have much time to actually watch very far into this game, at least aside from, like, story sections and such. I was mostly busy with the other three. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's weird. It's yeah, weird it sure as seems fuck. that way. Yeah, you're yeah. One, like hackers taking on this organization that's spreading their system all the way across Japan, but to start in this city. But you're really hackers that really don't care. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Uh, it's something I've noticed with a lot of Shin Megami Tensei games. It's the way the story goes is there's like this this enclosed environment separate from reality where all the happenings are going on. I mean, it it was the same way in Persona three and four, and it's the same here, but it's only just kind of affecting the real world. But you can tell if nothing is done, it will like completely spill over into it and cause the apocalypse, I assume. But that seems to be like the, the main, the main sort of story beats for so many Shin Megami Tensei games. So I got to imagine, well, it's not, it's not like it's the only game series that does that, like repeating their story beats. I mean, Zelda does it a lot. Metroid does it a lot. I think Final Fantasy does it pretty frequently, but yeah, it's it's just something I noticed. I thought it was interesting. Joey, you have more thoughts over Soul Hackers? Yeah, I like the alignment system. Oh, do tell. That uh, I like the extremes that they don't like. They hate the other side, but if you're just slightly on the chaotic or what was the other one lawful Mm -hmm. uh they can work together but extreme chaotic and extreme lawful can't work together because they don't like each other so i thought that was interesting that you could actually have uh i guess uh connections for your team set up that will work better than some so i thought that was interesting but i don't like the turn-based system i i think it's boring yeah, it's almost like the pseudo auto battle system that you kind of have to pick and choose different choices as you go, as as it just auto goes. Fantasy Star does something like that too. I saw, I, I found a lot of parallels to the Fantasy Star battle system in the way that just the game flows. Uh, obviously, this is much more detective based, and it's very, it's very mid nineties. You know what I mean? This is when the yeah. internet was like in a shroud of mystery and all these things are possible within the, within the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that, that came to mind too. 
Yeah, uh, Serial Experiments Lane was very much in the same realm of like the the spooky interwebs, all the shit that you can do inside it. Um, the game the game goes for about forty hours. You you get you get a lot of if you just streamline the game, I think you can bust it down to like twenty nine thirty. I just looked it up on the 3DS eShop. It it goes for only about twenty two dollars, and it seems to be fourteen gigs. So it's, it's a large game for your 3DS. Wow, fourteen gigs for this old of a game? Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, it's. It, think about it. It's a lot of cutscenes. Probably took up a lot of real estate. Uh, because remember, it, it came out on the PlayStation and Saturn back then. There's a lot of lot of dialogue that takes up. A, uh, there's a lot of um. Uh, FMV type situations. I think this game had a bonus disc for the Saturn. That was like the first DLC. Oh, interesting. Did not read that. I think I read that somewhere. I think it was this one. It was one of our games, but I think it was this one because this one's the only one on the Saturn, right? Yeah, this one had a bonus disc for a dungeon that I think's on the 3DS, but wasn't originally with the. You had huh. to buy it separate, or it came separate. I see. So I'm assuming this is a multiple disc game then. Wow. Okay. It's definitely something I'm interested in continuing to play, and uh, I hope I have enough space on my 3DS because then I I think I'll get this. I'll get this game because 22 is very affordable as opposed to fucking seventy dollars <laughs> for a hard copy. There you go. I passed this game. I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I did. I did warn that a first-person travel mode uh, in hallways and shit. Luckily, the game kind of changes it up, and it's it's uh it's manageable to uh, to get around. Cause that when I first experienced that, I went, oh no, I don't think I'll be playing this game very long. Luckily, it's so fucking weird, and the story is interesting enough. Uh, I was willing to continue playing, and it, it kept it fresh enough switching between um the virtual world and the real world you know what i mean uh how that worked out so yeah i passed this game i'm gonna pass it as well i'll pass it hey look at that all right colin you are up sir all right so i chose super mario rpg legend of the seven stars for the super nintendo it was developed by Square and published by Nintendo, released on the Super Nintendo on March 9th, 1996 in Japan, and on May 13th, 1996 in North America. I mean, going in, I had no idea Square worked on this game. I thought that was kind of a neat thing. Yes, they did. Yeah. And I chose this one because, while it wasn't a commercial flop, I... Until recently, you never really heard a lot of people talk about it nearly as much as something like, say, Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door. Right. And all the ones that came after. And it's, it's fun to mention that the villains of this game get an appearance in the Flash series Super Mario Bros. Z, which I believe I showed you, JD. Mm-hmm. Just Master Smithy and the Axum Rangers. This time it's not Bowser. In fact, along the way, Bowser will join your party because he wants his castle back, I guess. But yeah, it's uh, sort of your the usual usual Mario plot fair, just 
Bowser kidnaps Peach, but this time Mario goes straight to the final castle to fight him, and then after that, the castle gets taken over by Master Smithy, and then... What a dick. Peach is still MIA, so Mario's gotta go out and find her and Bowser before they can take on Smithy. Now this... I gotta say, the visuals in this game are pretty top-notch for the time. It's like the 3D rendering, the parallaxing. It's pretty high-end for the Super Nintendo. Yeah, it used and, the uh, SA-1 chip, which was incredibly rare. I think only a few games yeah. used that. And I believe I read somewhere that technically this is the first 3D Mario game rather than Mario 64. So, Yes, it came out one. just before the 64 came out? I believe so, yes. But yeah, it's a it's a fun game. It it has a lot of what makes Square games or Square turn-based RPGs great. Just like with all the turn-based combat, it's it's actually kind of cool for uh, selecting what you want to do in the menu rather than using the D-pad and an action button. You have all four of the action buttons for certain things, like the A button. You'll do like physical attacks. Mm -hmm. E button you can defend or run away and i think it's the x or y button that can that you can bring up your magic spells or spe or special moves that use up flower points which are basically magic points in this game i thought that was kind of cool you get like you use like a fire flower points for for your uh special attacks so it's a nice little wave integrating the mario canon and, I, and then like the top button you'll be able to sort through your items and one one fun fact is that the you can actually uh, get a turn advantage by jumping on enemies that's actually one of the things that i really like about this game you can see the enemies before you fight them much like chrono trigger Yes, that, that's one thing I like. I like that you can jump over and avoid the encounters. Yeah, yeah. And you can all, and it also incorporates Mario-esque gameplay elements, like jumping up to hit question blocks to get coins and items, and jumping on special flowers to get a big jump boost to reach higher up areas. A little bit of platforming there. And it also incorporates the Final Fantasy VIII mechanic of hitting a button at the right time to get a damage bonus in con combat. I don't know if you guys uh, noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've played a few Paper Mario games, and the mechanics that make a Paper Mario game, well, Paper Mario, it's all here in this one. And I have played super mario rpg before in my life but it's been decades so oh yeah oh yeah so i i have very little memory uh, of this game so uh i had just played the recent paper mario game to completion and on the uh on the switch and i i vastly enjoyed it you know oh um, yeah 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 I, I i quite i quite enjoyed the game it was very relaxing uh i liked the battle system how it was unique etc etc so i popped in mario rpg here and i'm like this is paper mario it's just on the super nintendo and for all intents and purposes cr more crude but 
1996 on the Super Nintendo. Like, I'm not, I'm not expecting, you know, Wii and Switch-level graphics, right? But the gameplay is very much the same. Where you have where you have your overworld, and you can you just go through go through the world uh, in your kind of isometric, in, in this case isometric kind of viewpoint, as opposed to uh, like a, a pseudo two D three D situation uh, that Paper Mario generally has. Uh, you play out the story, which is which is just filled with fun Mario humor. It's filled with unique characters to the game that you yeah. may or may not see throughout. The rest of the Mario verse, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, it it teaches you how to play the battle system uh, very easily. It's very easy, just pick up and play in that in that regard. It's not overly complicated. I love this game. It, it's really really fun. It's not a difficult RPG. It does it does have its difficult moments, no doubt. But uh-huh. I never felt like I was I was being tasked with like unlike Soul Hackers where the occasional battle would come up and it's just asking way too much from me at this point in time of the game. I thought it was totally fair in our in Mario RPG here. And the fact this came out so late in the Super Nintendo lifespan, I thought it came out like ninety four, ninety three, not nineteen ninety six. That was a very surprising little factoid. Uh, when I looked at this game, and I didn't realize how close it was to Paper Mario. I thought it was more closer to like a Final Fantasy type game because I did know it was by Star uh, Square, and it was none of that. It, it was, I guess, it came across more like a Chrono Trigger in an isometric view, but then they kept platforming elements to it to make it feel closer to a Mario game than a Final Fantasy game. Sounds about right. I was pleasantly surprised. I was engaged the whole time. I did not beat the game, but I I must have played this for at least 10 hours. I was just enthralled with it. Uh very fun. I I I was engaged constantly. Joey, did you feel the same way? No. You did not. No, I didn't like the graphics. Like I get 3D and everything, but it just it felt too busy. Mm. And it just if it was so close to the 64, it should have just came out on the 64. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, I like some of the elements of it, but I've, I've never felt like I was in danger in the battles. So they felt boring. A lot of times you get one hit them with Mario. So it's just, it didn't really, it just felt more of a, an annoyance than an actual battle. And I hate that in games. Hmm. So, um, I don't know. I liked some of that, the, outer world elements where you can jump on the flower and get, do a little platforming here and there. So I like that, but I just, I don't know. It just wasn't for me. Well, I'm surprised. Mm, fair enough. I'm surprised you feel that way. Well, Colin, what did you enjoy uh, about the story of the game? Cause that's, uh, I think that's where a lot of the quirkiness comes, comes into play here. Well, I, I played to the first two bosses I kind of liked how with the character Mallow, he he gets his uh, coin stolen by this uh, this like lizard enemy, and then you gotta chase that guy through all these different jungles. And then as soon as he gets his coin back, he's like, "Wait, what was I doing in town again?" Hmm. <laughs> and then he just joins Mario, I think, to try and jog his memory or some such thing. I can't remember, but 
I also liked how you can in the the sewer dungeon you actually like have to try and navigate the the maze by going into different warp pipes. That was a nice little way of incorporating Mario elements. And uh and I think I mean I haven't played that far into the game, but I know enough about like the Axum Rangers. They're basically just uh the Power Rangers, but villains mm-hmm. with like pole axes. And it was I don't know, most of what I remember about the Axum Rangers comes from Super Mario Bros. Z. Except that guy that guy had put the the heads of the Axum Rangers onto the bodies of like Mega Man robots. <laughs> So that was kind of a fun little thing to do. And is it just me or it's like on Bandit Path, there's these frog enemies that will sometimes put shoot like what looks like water at you. But before they do that attack, they actually like put their hands over their crotches. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, are oh, they pissing no- on you? I didn't notice that, but I'm sure you're right, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that goes to show what I'm paying attention to when I play games. Yeah, you dirty, <laughs> dirty boy. I'm a dirty, foul little boy. Mm. So Super Mario RPG, uh, if you get the Famicom version, uh, I know Kevin uh, does this where he'll buy Famicom versions of the game, he'll throw it in his like Hypercon console, and then throw in a pa- uh, SD card patch to translate the game. Because the Famicom version is like ten bucks, the Super Nintendo version is like sixty dollars. So keep that in mind. And the game isn't as long as you think. It's only about seventeen hours if you streamline the story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so I got pretty far in the game, and I didn't realize how fast I was going through it. You can beat it in like a weekend if you just put the pedal to the metal. Ah, oh, yeah. And the, the music soundtrack was composed by Yoko Shimomura, who you may remember did the soundtrack for the entire Kingdom Hearts series. Boo! Jake, you owe me a Coke. Boo! I won't support you. I won't support, <laughs> your, I won't support your drug, a, uh, drug addiction, Colin. Sorry. <laughs> you don't have a choice. As soon as the lockdowns are over, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Where's my money, bitch? Oh, <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... And like we said before, since... This has the, the Chrono Trigger thing of seeing the enemies before you attack. And I just wanted to point out CrossCode does them one better by the battles only initiating when you actually hit the enemies. That's uh, just well, something a game we're going to talk about where it has a system I really, really like it's coming up. I pass ah, Super yeah. Mario RPG. Yep, easy pass. Joey? I'll slightly pass it. Ooh, I was really hoping you'd fail it. Ugh, just just uh, give it the, give it the, it, give it know, the left hook in the kidney. Come on. <laughs> I'm on the border, so it could easily be a fail. I mean, I, if you're not a Mario fan, I don't see a point playing this. So okay. I would fail it for anyone like that. But if you have any interest in Mario, then slight pass. It might be something worthwhile checking out. Oh, all right. All right. All right. Well, okay. Joey, I believe this is your pick. Yes, it is. I chose uh, Earthbound, hmm. which is on uh, Super right. Nintendo. Came out Japan 1994, release 1995 in North America, although it was a unsuccessful launch in North America. Oh, God, yeah. 
<laughs> it's notorious for being <laughs> a horrid seller in the United States. Which I don't know why. I I guess I don't know if it was just marketed wrong, but it also sucks that it's the second game in a series and it's a different name in the US than it is in Japan. So I mean, because it's Mother 2 in Japan, which is in a yeah. trilogy, but it's Earthbound in the US, so it's no real connection. So it does feel random. And was it a Nintendo Power magazine that just shit all over it? Yes. <laughs> Nintendo Power gave it like a horrid, horrid review. Which is weird because yeah, they never give anyone bad reviews. Right. But they gave this one a bad review, which is very strange. Nintendo yeah, Power yeah. gave it... Uh, actually don't have it in front of me. Well, I just remember from Angry Video Game Nerds video on it, it actually said this game stinks and actually had like a scratch and sniff of something that smelled really bad in there. Yes, so that, that was, a that was just like a giant middle finger to the game. Yeah, which I guess because this RPG is not like a huge fantasy game. It's a contemporary world with modern stuff. Maybe people didn't really like it off the bat. I don't know. I really like this. I well, think yeah, it, this um, is fun. So <laughs> the uh, the game, like I remember this era, and nobody talked about Earthbound until. Super Smash Bros. came out on the N64, and Ness yeah, yeah. was in the game, and everyone was like, who the fuck is this character? And that's when yeah. Earthbound finally kind of blew up, but, that, but by that point, the game was already, like, off shelves and whatnot, rare, because it just didn't, because it didn't sell well, there wasn't a lot of copies of it in English, and the rest is history. I'm just going to say it right now. This game goes for a minimum of like 200 plus dollars. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's not worth the price. I have a reproduction copy of this game for my Super Nintendo. It cost which me $15. Is, <laughs> which is fine. That or if you get like that uh, Super Nintendo little console, retro console, I think it's on there. I think so, yeah. I think it came so, out. yeah, I would not spend $200 unless you're a serious collector. There's no point to having a legit copy. Who won, Joey? No, it's just news. Oh. Well, I woke up this morning to Dortmund uh, firing their manager, so... Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, anyway, you follow around Ness, which you may know from Smash, but I, I don't know, I thought it was fun. I thought the dialogue was fun. Like, even characters that didn't have anything to do with it, they still had fun things to say. I like that the enemies got weirder as you went along. You start out with just snakes and birds. Oh, and then that's it an just, understatement. It just yeah. gets, like, lips and some random-ass shit. Like, I like it. It eases you into the weirdness. A meteor falls, you're just a kid that wakes up, and then it just gets weird. And it's fun. The soundtracks of the game was fucking strange. You got, like, salsa, you got some reggae-type reggae stuff. Uh, the 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 enemies have their own like quirky music. There's like uh, uh hippie shit going on for some of the enemies, like zombie and hippies. Like, and there's a <laughs> yeah. cult that wants to turn the world blue. Yes, very strange. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just gets weird. I love it. And I, I even though it's turn based, I like what they did with this turn base. I like that the health slowly ticks down, so there's a chance that 
you can heal it with another character. So you don't instantly lose. So if you're about to die, you have a chance to save them with a heal from another character. So I, I like that. Or take down the enemy and then yeah, whatever. You yeah, have. That, yeah, a little bit of time left to take them down. So it it takes it's still turn base, but it actually doesn't feel like everyone's just standing around. Okay, you hit. Now I hit. It gives you more of like, okay, shit's actually happening at once type feel. And on top of that, if you're really high level and you come across a really low level enemy, you'll instantly win the fight once it begins. Or the enemies run away from you. Because they know you're you're, you're more powerful than them uh, at, at a certain point. I love that mechanic in this game. Love it. More RPGs need to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like especially in uh, not in the case of Final Fantasy VIII, but imagine a Final Fantasy game, what where instead of of uh, random encounters, it's just this where you just become so overpowered that the enemies now run away from you in real time. I think that would just be so cool. I love Earthbound doing this. It made the game flow so much better. It made uh, when you finally did start encountering enemies that give you a challenge. You feel uh, you feel very enthralled in the battle. Uh, it has that first person battle mode, but you see like just a tiny little aspect of the character on screen, which I do appreciate. Uh, that's what Fantasy Star Four does, and to an extent two, uh, but it's it's. Uh, it's mostly just the enemy on screen taking up a bunch of the real estate and uh, some flashes happening and you just have to try to read the dialogue as quick as you can. That aspect I wish that you could control a little bit more, but as as you said, Joey, it uh, gives you more of the everything's happening at the same time feel. The puzzles. Did anyone have any issues with the puzzles in this game as you're traversing the world? I got stuck yeah, a few I, times. Yeah, I got stuck at that point where you had to get past this iron pencil in the ground. Yes, very commonplace people get stuck. I can admit I also got stuck there the first time I ever played Earthbound. I was like, I don't know what to do. This fucking pencil's in my way. This is bullshit. Oh, I need a literal eraser to get rid of the pencil. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Who, who would have thought an eraser would get rid of a pencil? Like, yeah. <laughs> escape does. This game Apparently those so. things. Yeah. There's shit like that in the game. Um, has anybody beaten this game before? No. I have not, but after playing the to the first two uh, melodies that you collect after fighting the bosses of each area, I definitely want to continue playing because this game is moving along a lot faster than I thought. So um, I'm actually going to keep playing this after the cast. This uh, this is definitely making the list of a game I want to complete again. I haven't uh, beaten this game in like a decade or so. Uh, so I don't remember a lot of the uh, the I don't remember a lot of the game after you get to the kind of winter area of it. I think that's halfway through. I want to say uh, where you start encountering like yetis and shit. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Joey, what was your favorite part of the game that you uh, you encountered? I don't know. I really like the desert. Oh. Okay. I just like that. The sounds and the music. I don't know. Just how it slowly built up. And I don't know. I like the desert. 
Colin, you got a favorite little section? Well, the the cult section is as far as I got, but that's I, one of my favorite. I think I like that one the, the best. Yeah, easily the cult section. Yeah, there's stuff yeah, later the that I don't good. remember that I I think I like more, but yeah, the the cult really stands out to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also liked the uh, the hint mole that you'll come across when you get to new areas because he'll accidentally break the fourth wall every now and again. It'll be like giving you a hint about enemy encounters and you say on your TV, oops, I mean your view of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And uh, I, I actually was getting a bit of a Pokemon red and blue vibe from just the style of the game. It was like oh, yeah. NASA Sprite. NASA Sprite. You could tell that kind of informed the player character sprite in Pokemon. And some... Some of the gameplay features, like riding a bike, that can, I think that made its way into Pokemon. I gotta wonder if uh, some of the developers at Game Freak originally came from uh, from HAL Labs. Yes, people that made Kirby, of all things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. Been wanting to play this for so long, but never got around to it till now. I mean. I've, I mean, we played a bit of Earthbound Beginnings, JD. Yes, we did. Which is yes, Mother, Mother One. How is Not that? The... I've never played the other Mother games. It's, it's much more crude. Yeah, it's because it's on the NES. Yeah, it came out in what eighty nine. Yeah, quite old. Yeah, it it shares a lot of the same mechanics, like. What having to go to an ATM to get the money that you win from monster battles? Mm-hmm. That's one thing I was kind of not not a fan of, just not getting your money immediately after the battle. But then again, at the same time, when you lose a battle and pass out, the mechanic is that you lose half your money. Yeah, pretty brutal when you, you need to like need to like one. buy health items and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you wake up back at your your mom's house and and you get all your health back and then eat your favorite food and if you're like yahtzee you you named your favorite food cock of course <laughs> gotta eat that cock mm-hmm. <laughs> very good well yeah. People have people have been begging for Mother Three to be officially released in the West for years now, but so far no dice. No dice. Well, the game goes for about thirty hours, so you'll get you'll get your time spent wisely. Uh, I feel uh, with this one, uh, I love this game. It's uh, it's an easy pass for me. Yeah, yeah, easy pass. Definitely pass. Definitely. Right. Last game. My pick is called Alundra. Came out on the PlayStation. Uh, North America 1998. Japan 1997. Developed by Matrix Software. And uh, published in Japan by Sony Computer Entertainment. Uh, North America's Working Designs. And uh, Matrix Software, uh, I believe, also did... I think this was their first real title... But a lot of the people that were involved in this game also did, um, fuck, we covered a game, Landstalker. 
lot of the people involved in this game were on Landstalker that we did on the Sega Sega RPGs episode. So you yeah, can, yeah. You can definitely uh, see a lot of uh, parallels with like sprite design, um, text, just kind of the overall feel of the game. It's very much kind of that that same realm. However, this is an action RPG, uh, very much in the realm of a Legend of Zelda kind of Link to the Past feel. Yeah, this gave me hella yeah. Zelda vibes. It was like a darker, more adult Zelda game. Yes. Yeah. And the biggest difference here uh, between Alundra and Zelda is Alundra has a bigger emphasis on solving puzzles rather than the action combat uh, that Zelda has. They're, they're, they, they still have both, uh, but Alundra is very much going through dungeons and solving these puzzles to advance in the dungeon uh, and you get the idea so the the uh the plot of the game is you are alundra you're an elf from the clan elna uh, which means you have the power of being a dream walker means you can jump into people's dreams kind of release them from their uh sorrows let's say and there's a lot of adult themes in this game ranging from uh genocide to straight-up racism towards elves, uh, and it just keeps going from there. Uh, so Alundra sets out a place called Inua because he's having this recurring dream, and there's a uh, figure uh, that's, uh, that's calling for him and tells him he must save uh, the villagers from this evil entity, uh, Melsas. Melzas. Uh, the ship carrying Alundra is caught in a storm, busted, uh, all the crew's dead, and uh, Lundra kind of wakes up, so it's one of those situations there. Um, it's uh, in this town that Alundra uh, goes into a uh, old man's dream, saves him from a nightmare, and that becomes kind of the theme of the game. And there's uh, various people that help Alundra awaken and refine his powers. And that's how the game kind of goes. Uh, there's a lot of uh, religious tones in the game, which I was not expecting. Uh, you can kind of see how much this plays off the Landstalker series. And I think this does it very, very well. Uh, I'm not a fan of how the text is thrown on the screen. It's kind of presented as more of a... <sighs> I think it takes up too much real estate, and something just doesn't flow right with the text. Uh, there seems to be a lot of translation errors in the game uh, for much of it. I, I don't think it took a lot out of the game. Uh, did it, what, did, what did you guys think of Alundra? Well, I will say the game's introductory cinematic did a great job of selling me on it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's got a mix of gameplay and hand-drawn animations. Mm -hmm. And that music. Music's yeah. good. Sound effects are real good in this. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the, the soundtrack was composed by Kohei Tanaka, who also did the score for Gravity Rush and oh, also Gunbuster. Oh, well, how about also, that? And you'll love this, JD, all of One Piece. Oh, huh, well, I do love that. Among Effect. several others. I mean, that's fucking impressive. And most recently, he did the score for Sakura Wars, which is a game I mentioned getting in the Black Friday sale last cast. Right, right. right. 
guy gets around. And yeah. And I gotta wonder if the the hand drawn animations were done by the same animation studio as Rurouni Kenshin, because the main character's design in those animations reminds me a lot of Kenshin Himura. So let's see. I mean, I love this game's visuals. I mean, I'd go as far as to say they're even better than Final Fantasy VI's. Well, the sprites, the sprites are larger, that's for sure. Yeah, I like the graphics. Yeah. I think it looks really good. Yeah, it's got some good lighting and some good uh, Are you guys shading. crazy in a game that I picked? Yeah, this was almost my because favorite. Because it's not a 3DO almost. game. Yeah, exactly. I like the background music because it is actual background music. Like, it just... It's there. You can hear it if you want to. It's not like Mario Maker where the music is kind of front and center. The background music in this is just, it helps build the environment. So yeah. I like that about it. I The one thing I do not like, I think the text scroll is too slow. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it really takes away from the, the feeling of progression. Yeah, absolutely. I found the sound effects could be a little over the top. Like when you get a red health crystal, it sounds it's like... It's like an oh, air yeah. hose. It's like an air hose breaking open, for lack of a better analogy. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the game was not shy about taking advantage of the PlayStation's uh, sound capabilities because it's on a CD. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I played this game via the uh, the Vita. I got it on the PlayStation Network. Uh, and why? It's because the game is quite expensive. It goes for fifty plus dollars. Uh, generally. Um, if you are in Europe, it's much cheaper. It's only about 15 so lucky them. I think, uh, yeah. the uh, it, It's it's another 30-hour kind of RPG game, and I think it flowed really well. I actually quite enjoyed the emphasis on, on uh, platforming and, and puzzle solving over uh, just straight Zelda-type combat, even though it feels very Zelda-esque. Uh, did you guys feel... Did you guys prefer the puzzle solving over the combat or did you wish there was more combat? I like the combat. I was only able to I was only able to watch like YouTube videos of of this one because I didn't know it was on the Vita. But, but yeah, I I don't know. I guess I guess it's just because the guy playing the game on on my long play that I watched, he just kept getting sidetracked going to slash a bunch of bushes for money and shit a la zelda as we mentioned yeah, i didn't feel like i needed to uh grind and do that very much at all probably not but i want to say i mean zelda has nothing on him because he can pick up and throw boxes <laughs> yeah <laughs> he can also jump zelda can't jump so yeah or link link yeah i'm sorry so. link I'll, unless we're talking unless we're talking about breath of the wild i'm not talking about breath of the wild no the crazy i'm person talking are, about are you <laughs> this game is better than Zelda because you can throw boxes. There, I said it. <laughs> hard to argue that uh, that yeah, point, Joe. The... I will admit, very hard to argue. Yeah, I was. A... I don't know if I was a fan of with like the mine level where you you go th go to a certain point on a certain map and then you have to actually go back out and find another way back in outside of it. I'm not sure if I was on board with that no so i'm glad you brought that up because because one of the first levels is this mine and this is where you find out that the map system or lack thereof is very difficult so when you're dungeon crawling especially in this mine level it does it better in the later the later dungeons but this mine level is incredibly uh confusing 
especially for a first-time player. And it's because of things like that, where you don't realize that there's heavy emphasis on this puzzle solving in the dungeon, and you have to go back in, back out, in and around different places. Uh, cut this, uh, cut this lever here. Use this over here. Uh, and because the map system, lack thereof, it uh, doesn't really exist. You don't really know kind of what the path is uh, in this mine. So yes, that that that's a huge criticism I have for for the beginning of this game. Glad yeah. you brought that up, Colin. That's very very good point. Almost forgot about that. But yeah, if, I I do like that in like you guys mentioned, it was like a dark, darker, more adult Zelda. For sure, that's emphasized in the mine level because you actually come across the dead bodies of the miners. Mm-hmm. Should have brought the so carrion with him. Fools. <laughs> Fools. Ah, well, too late now. Yeah. I don't have much else to say about this game. Uh, there is a sequel to this that I've never played. Um, might be interested in that. I have not heard good things about the sequel, though, unfortunately. Oh, really? Everything mm. I read, it, it, it doesn't do well. That's why it sells for $10. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Did it just not change anything? Is it just like the same game, but more? I don't, I, I just, I don't know what the deal is. I think maybe it's buggy. I'm not really sure. Uh, but it is made by the same, same group of people. Maybe they just didn't innovate enough and it just wasn't as popular. Uh, maybe we'll have to do a sequels episode over, over things like this, but. Yes, I am passing Alundra. I want to play more of this game. This I have all these RPGs now I want to play. That doesn't bode well for uh, Cyberpunk and Ash Creed Valhalla, but uh, this <laughs> game was an easy pass for me. That's right. Every single game we played for the podcast, I am passing. Yeah, I pass, I pass as well. One too. Yeah. And uh, just to reiterate, the game uh, is expensive. It's $50. You can get it on the PlayStation Network for like six bucks. Uh, it's a 30-hour RPG adventure. If you're looking for a puzzle-based Zelda game, this is for you. Uh, and you both passed? Yep, pass. Okay. Yep. So our four games we chose were Double Summoner Soul Hackers on the Sega Saturn PlayStation, ported to the 3DS, Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo, Earthbound on the Super Nintendo, and Alundra for the PlayStation. I will go first today. My favorite game was Earthbound. I absolutely love that All game. Right. And my least favorite, this is tough, but I'm... I, I, it's very... Since they were, I did enjoy all of them, just from the sheer weirdness factor, I guess. I think... For how crude it is... I'm actually going to go with Super Mario RPG. Just from the crudeness aspect, because I think everything is kind of on par with each other. Earthbound is the most unique, which I'm, which is why I'm putting it as my favorite. And Super Mario RPG is kind of the most basic, I think, out of all of these. Oh, uh, yeah. So Fair it's, enough. yeah, it's almost like one, it's almost like uh, Earthbound's one, everything else is two, and I just have to pick something that's last. That's how I feel about that. Uh, I'm giving uh, Soul Hackers a B. Okay. I'm giving Mario RPG a B. I'm giving Earthbound okay. an S. And I'm giving Alundra an A. So very high scores for me all around. Cool. 
Joey, why don't you go next? Oh, I'm actually very similar. Uh, Earthbound is my favorite. Super Mario is uh, my least. Hey, all right. We're the, we're the same mind there. And our grades are almost the same. Uh, Soul Hackers, B. I'm going to give a Super Mario RPG a C. Mm. Earthbound, S. And Lundra, an A. Wow. Okay, just a little bit uh, a little bit less on the Mario. Yeah, I was I thought it was a little less fun than you did, so. Colin. You're up, well, man. Favorite, Earthbound. <laughs> and least favorite. It's kind of a tough one. I'm actually if I, I'm actually gonna deviate from the norm and say Devil Summoner Soul Hackers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I imagine if I'd gotten to actually play it and play it a little more, I might have been more into it. But as it was, for the amount of time I have in my schedule, it was just way more talking and not enough uh, gameplay for me at the time. But Totally fair. Yeah, for, uh, for my tier rankings, I'll give Mario RPG an A. I have Earthbound and S. Uh, Soul Hackers a B, and Alundra an A. All right, so that was this gives... our first straight S. I think that Hell yeah. I think that's our basically our first straight S game. I think uh, I think that might be no no no. There was another one. There was another one early early this year that got a straight S. I believe. So, Devil Summoner gets a B. Mario RPG evens out to a B. Earthbound S and Alundra A. All right. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me because when I think cult classic, I think Earthbound. Like, oh, that's that is that's like, like the pinnacle of yeah, cult classic. Absolutely. So, so this our was the next, fun podcast. Yes, our next uh, retro gaming podcast isn't going to come until mid January next year. Uh, in between, we are going to do a fun little short, uh, our top retro games that we played in 2020. I got all the tiers uh, listed. You can head on over to redleafretrocast.blogspot.com to uh, look at our little tier list that's up. You can kind of guess. Uh, we're, we're basically going to look at our S-ranked and A-ranked games and come up with our top retro games of the year that we played. That's just going to be a short little fun episode. We'll get together and do that in between. So hence, uh, and we're going to take a break. We, I think we deserved it <laughs> after a while. Uh, this was fun. And the big announcement is... Ooh, here we, it is, here it is. Yes, the big announcement. Right. You, need, you need a drop. You need to use a drop here. I need a, I need a drop? Yeah, it's a big announcement. You got to drop it. Ooh, okay, I'll do the Metal Gear Solid one. <laughs> All right. The big announcement is starting a Patreon. And what this oh. Patreon, yes, what this Patreon will entail, it's going to be a lot of wrestling focused content. Okay. Uh, based on a lot of feedback from the podcast, we're doing wrestling focused content uh, for, and there's going to be a $1.50 tier and a $5 tier. The $1.50 tier is going to be. Uh, what it's going to be a historical wrestling based um focused 
based on a lot of wrestling that just has kind of gotten lost to time, namely a lot of the uh, the women's wrestling in the 2000s and 2010s. Uh, we'll be pumping out an episode uh, twice a month on that tier, and uh, after two weeks, it will go up free on the Big Egg Joshi podcast. So if you want it early, it's just a simple $1.50. You can't, uh, if you don't want to uh, pay for the content, then it's fine. It'll come out free. Modern Game cast we're having a lot of issues with uh with timing with uh with the hosts uh, a lot of the hosts that we got together uh, just don't have the time for it anymore i still want to do it and we're going to do a little changes for it uh it will no longer be the whole biggest games of the month uh and if you've noticed they've been kind of coming out every other month kind of situation so the new plan is I've been kind of hinting at it all podcast where when I complete a game or when a host of the podcast completes a game and wants and and feels passionate about it and wants to do a full review of the game, this is really just anything. It could be a game that we've played for the Retro Gaming Podcast and have now completed it. It could be a game that we've done in our free time. We'll still have have our, our what games we've been playing section at the top of every retro podcast but when we complete a game we'll do a full end game review and throw it up on the dollar 50 tier that will mostly entail a lot of the modern games obviously but again it, it it's it's game it's game for everything you could say the uh five dollar tier will be a lot of personal projects uh that have been requested also uh through various listeners whether that's uh, me watching all of these Starcades from WCW starting in 1983, going all the way up until Sting uh, has the fuck up with Hulk Hogan and the referee and the fast count and all that bullshit. Um, that could be through uh, Kay, uh, who's part of the wrestling podcast, doing his his JD Star reviews. That's going to go up on uh, the $5 tier. So you get the idea of what the tiers will entail. Uh, it's definitely something that if we feel that we want to put the time into, that we have to earn earn any money coming from our listeners, and that's that's our general uh, plan, and it will launch in January of 2021. So that's the big announcement. Colin, Joey, are you excited? Sure. Pay me money. I'll do dumb things. <laughs> I would be if I were into wrestling at all. Well, all right, fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a big it's a big project that Kay and I are undertaking. And, uh, Joey, if you want to be a part of this, then you're more than welcome to. So, this was... Maybe in WCW. If it was WWF, I could add some stuff, but... Well, I mean, hey, if you want to watch some old WWF, you're more than welcome to, uh, to contribute, Joey. How does that sound? Sounds interesting, because WWF is better than WCW. There, Whoa! I said it. Whoa! What year? <laughs> hot take. Hot take. You hear that? Hot take. We gotta discuss what year. We gotta be specific. <laughs> So anyways, maybe they were just all bad the whole time and we were just kids that didn't know any better. How about that for an answer? Probably. They're probably all really, really terrible. <laughs> so anyways, this was the Red Leaf Retro... Oh, by the way, the Patreon is, of course, Red Leaf Retrocast. I think that goes without saying. <laughs> yeah. This was episode 83, Cult Classic RPGs. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye now.